0: And hello, everybody. Welcome to A Narrative Live. It's absolutely live tonight, and it's a Tuesday night, 8 p.m. in the East Coast. Hello, Eric Garland. Great to see you again. How are you? Hello, Zev. On tonight's show, we're going to be talking about what really is a global conspiracy. And people use the word conspiracy these days quite negatively because people always associate it with a conspiracy theory. However, the actual word is a a thing. Just conspiracy itself can be true. And tonight, we're going to be talking about how it applies to a conspiracy to end democracy. And we'll be looking at the events happening in Israel, in Tel Aviv, and in Jerusalem. And clearly, Israel is now going down this path that China and other nations have set for many countries in this world to basically abandon democracy and turn the country into some sort of dictatorship. We'll go into the details of all of that as we go through the show tonight. But it's something that you and I have been discussing for many years now. Certainly, when you introduced the game theory, Way back in 2016, it was a prelude to what we're seeing today. And and as we've been talking over the last few years about the war on democracy and and also Israel's direct involvement in the 2016 elections to elect Donald Trump, it's it's become clear to us that Israel is one big part of the enemies of democracy, if you will, of this alliance of this conspiracy to undermine democracy around the world. Obviously directed at the United States, people throw around conspiracies and conspiracy theories. Like they're nothing these days, but we're not doing that tonight. We're going to go through it as much as in much detail as we can and show everyone what evidence there is to, to prove that there is a conspiracy. As anyone can make up allegations, but there are facts that have been presented over the last few years, which make it inevitable that this is what we're seeing.
1: So do you have a clip handy from when you whipped out the, the quote from 7 November, 2016 from Herzog's office, a warning from Isaac Herzog, who was then the labor leader
0: the opposition leader in the Israeli Knesset. He's speaking about Netanyahu and he says, recently there have been reports of Israeli leaders interfering in the elections through overseas proxies. I call on Netanyahu to instruct those close to him to make sure no
1: damage is done. The viewers really need to get this because this is not out there anywhere else. Mm-hmm. This is Israeli intelligence under Bibi Netanyahu attack the United States one of Israel's main patrons, if not its major patron. I just want everybody to know that when this show is live, one of, uh, Zev's, uh, pieces of brilliance is like, he does not warn you about this. I'm like, oh, we've got, wait, we, we have, they said that out loud. That's whoa. And so when just the audience knows that there is, uh, there, there is no artifice in this, like when you're watching my reaction to that, I'm like, God damn.
0: Well, I'm it's because I want to see your reaction to that. I mean, you know if the truth of it is, if I just told you before, you might be too too prepared. but if I just throw something at you that you're not um that prepared for you, know you you might be taken your reaction might be more legitimate in some ways than, the, than um than if we just uh, if we just prepared for it. This is a quote from November 2016, but we were reporting about it for the first time in May of 2020, if I'm not mistaken. It was the first time we'd started putting all these pieces together saying that Mm -hmm. Israel was part of this attack on democracy. And this is now the current president of Israel, Isaac Herzog, who at the time was the leader of the Labour Party. This is a quote that's slightly expanded from the one we previously put out, but it's it's accurate. Recently, we've seen reports that leaders are interfering in elections through foreign associates. Those leaders have done unprecedented damage in the past and are doing unprecedented damage even now. I demand that Netanyahu, who remains silent on this matter, Make clear he is not becoming involved with his associates and that he does not intend to interfere in the U.S. elections. It doesn't leave very much to the imagination, as you point out.
1: Also, for those playing at home, Unit 8200 alum sounds like something kind of vanilla. It's not. The Unit 8200 of the IDF is the equivalent of the Signals Intelligence Agency, the National Security Agency in the United States. So they're very, very important. What I find interesting about Israeli politics is when you get up to the very top of the, the political class, it's like a spyocracy. There are there are more like extremely high level spooks yeah. uh, who, who rise up through the political ranks than basically any other country outside probably outside of Russia, where they're they're all Sayret Metgal commandos and or got up to the head of Mossad a little, or, you know. Ehud Barak was, was minister of defense and also
0: d- d- intelligence as well. I think in the DIA there, look, it's, it's a country
1: that's constantly uh, feels itself at war and is constantly under attack. These are serious matters. And for him to come out that nakedly the day before, I think he saw that there, that they collectively as a people were going to be on this collision course with, with destiny, if you will. And I, am I'm, I'm very careful to, to lay things on Netanyahu when it's netanyahu likud if it's a larger group or whoever over there and not just necessarily israel in the, in the same way that i don't want america to be judged by what happened during trump like yeah we're we're we ele- you know those were those were valid elections they were interfered with but almost all of them are mm-hmm. we you know, i'm not taking away from our responsibility electing that you know those guys in there that's on mm-hmm. us as as a people however you know they're they have to show accountability for their specific actions. And I certainly hope the rest of the world understands that after a Trump, it's maybe even a greater part of the democratic story to, to, to have Biden come on the heels of that and having just taking these all pro-democracy actions all over the place, whether it's support of Ukraine, forcing the security of elections and America was a certain way in 2018, 2019, it was a, I'm, yeah. I'm glad we're through it, but uh, I, I, we're I, on yeah. the other side and we're doing, we're the America that y'all missed. So yeah. I, I know so many Israelis and patriots and just just good old people. And I don't think they would have, I don't think they are behind this or would have supported anybody attacking our democracy to this level either. So you I use- know what you're saying is that there is a faction within the
0: Israeli government. There's a faction that is mostly a right-wing religious faction that has now a extraordinary amount of control over what that government does because they were the only way that Bibi Netanyahu could secure a coalition. and uh, and so he made you know partners with Jewish supremacists, white supremacists who, you know, ironically or credulously believe in in a Jewish supremacy Jewish supremacy kind of thing, which is you can't even justify that in any way. but there you go. That's what that's who he's partnered with in this government. and they hold a lot of control over what happens. Now, he's also in a bind personally because Mr. Netanyahu, of course, is indicted. He's currently in the middle of a court case, several court cases, you know, adjudicated mm-hmm. he was corrupt, which clearly he was, but let's see if he gets get convicted for that. But the truth of it is in this new legislation that he's been trying to push through, it appeals to both the religious right and it appeals to him. The religious right is appealed, it appeals to them because they don't, they don't really like the secular state and they want to be able to rule the country as a as a fundamental Jewish country, it appeals to him because it may get him out of trouble because as part of this legislation, it means that he has better control or more control over which judges are picked. So the Supreme mm-hmm. Court, like the Supreme Court in the United States, it's, its own separate body operates on its own, but he's looking to overhaul that and uh, basically control what happens in the Supreme Court, which could save his rest of his life and his legacy because he could be in jail or he could remain the prime minister slash dictator of Israel. Let me catch you up just quickly, if I could, on what's happening just tonight, because there is some news developing. Isaac Herzog, who you saw there, who in 2016 said what he said there and he later confirmed that to narrative in 2020. Now he is the president of Israel. He's got an unusual job right now because he's the guy that is being tasked with finding some sort of compromise. And for the first time in three months, negotiations were held this evening. The coalition that's in the ruling party or that's ruling right now and the opposition held their first talks today. Herzog was at the helm. Bibi's not allowed to intervene in any of this because of his alleged corruption. He's been told by the Supreme Court he can't intervene in, in actually writing this law. But so this is why you're seeing President Herzog, which is a welcome sight over there, as the mediator in these talks. And there'll be more talks tomorrow. So that's a, that's a fresh bit of news this evening. Also tonight, President Biden has issued quite a stern comment to Areth, a Haaretz newspaper in Israel saying, firstly, that Israel cannot continue down this road. And then goes on to say, like many strong supporters of Israel, I'm very concerned. I'm concerned that they get this straight. They cannot continue down this road. I've made it clear, Biden said. And then he also, and he did, just last week in a phone call. And then he goes on to say that Netanyahu will not be invited to the White House in the near term. In the near term. Wow. That's a, Israel is America's biggest ally, one of America's biggest allies for There to be such tension, it's not the first time, of course, we've had such tension and not the first time the White House has had tension with Bibi Netanyahu, but, and even Joe Biden has had tension with Bibi Netanyahu before, but to to so publicly say he's not invited to the White House will ring through the American, the uh, the American interest, but also the Israeli interest in Israel very, very clearly. That is a very clear statement of you're not welcome here. And until you sort this out, and I have no doubt that this is going to grab headlines when Israel wakes up in just a matter of hours on a day that follows a quite an unprecedented day of protests, hundreds of thousands of people on the streets of Israel in Tel Aviv. Bibi supposedly claims he backed down from his, his new reforms that he's introducing. But truthfully, it was nothing. It was a bit of a delay. He's going to wait for a month and then try again. And the subtext of what he did yesterday included launching or at least approving of a National Guard, which will be run by the extreme right wing. He's a convicted felon, that guy. He's equivalent to a white supremacist only for Jews. That's not me being outrageous about describing him. That's a very sort of consistent description of his politics. He's a religious guy. Uh, He certainly believes in the the Israeli existence, but he also believes that Israel should be a Jewish state and whatever take that what it means. So what he's trying to do now is create a national guard, which would be its own little army, a little private militia that will report directly to him, not to the police, the head of the police in Israel, which is where these national guards normally go. It's, it's going to go directly to him and he'll have full control. And so what he's going to do is hire a whole bunch of really radical settler types who come from the Israelis, the settlement areas, and make them the national guard. It's not something Israel's ever had before, but it's a very disturbing thing to have a a militia like this run under the perhaps the most extreme politician or one of the most extreme politicians in israel whose sole mission is to to crush the opposition and the protests that have been happening so it's very troubling that this was this was a letter by the way not that you'll be able to read a bit unless you speak hebrew but that's a letter of is of bb no comment yeah committing okay so (laughs) you probably do better than me all right so that's what we know about what happened in the last few days Tell me your thoughts on that, because that certainly is a, a lot of news that uh, we're seeing just tonight. After a night when Bibi Netanyahu seemed to suggest that everything was fine.
1: Uh, let's, let's go revisit Biden's comments there. Well, he's not going to be coming by anytime soon. Yeah. And, and you've got Herzog getting the, the band back together. He's got Benny Gantz. He, he's, he's got Yair Lapid and others. They're obviously making a plan for a post-Bibi Israel. I don't, I, I generally like to to constrain my, my comments about other people's domestic politics to a mere analysis and not a show a preference, but he's a douche, so, and he keeps attacking my democracy here, so I'm not going to be sad when he knows, like, you know, when he, when he crawled in bed with the Sinaloa cartel that does drugs and selling kids and stuff like that. No. Hey Zeb, we've, in the United States, we, there's been a certain, there's been the the basically pro-Likud lobby of IPAC, or APAC, I always spell, I always say it wrong, has been supporting a certain line about, about Israel and America's support for it. And it's, we, we've been constantly told, this is like the one democracy in the Middle East. This is These are the people that share our values. So it's been very interesting as very clearly, BB is not, BB is a despot. He's an authoritarian. He's not. a, This is not a democracy. He's getting rid of the checks and balances. He's putting everyone under dictatorial type authoritarian control, which is something that's really in line with Chinese strategic plans because yeah. they want the world safe for authoritarians because they are authoritarians. So they that's why they support in all these different countries whoever the authoritarians. Are. To go back to to Biden here, he's he's like I. they cannot continue down this road, I've made that clear. That's a very strong statement.
0: It depends on who you believe the version of events, what happened on the phone call last week are very different. Bibi says they were talking about Iran a lot. He didn't, he said there was a little conversation about Israel remaining a democracy, but he didn't seem to think it was that strenuous a conversation, which I, I tend to side with what biden de- description of the of the event is because you know Bibi's known to be a little devious and manipulative when it comes to these things
1: <laughs> you, you can't even trust the spies no. <laughs> with, with the sinaloa cartel anymore i don't know where is the world gone to yeah what have we become that we can't even trust spies that work alongside drug cartels look the biden no doubt is is briefed up on what Netanyahu did during the trump years what he did around his election. He's probably not a big BB fan. And they've
0: been friends for so long. It's the great thing about Joe Biden is he knows every world leader like for decades. So he's very familiar with people and he's got genuinely good relationships with everybody because he doesn't seem to get stuck on, on whether people disagree with him. He expects people to disagree with him. And that makes him a perfect kind of president because he's diplomatically able to approach any world leader. He doesn't get upset by them. He doesn't get offended by them. So even though he clearly is not pleased with what Israel has done, Israel's attack on democracy and uh, being part of that attack on democracy in 2016 was, it was a violation of every, uh, of every deal, every dollar that's been sent over there, every contract, every allegiance, every loyalty pledge, anything that you could possibly imagine. That should never have happened. BB joining up with these other countries to get Donald Trump elected was just inexcusable. And he paid the price. He didn't land up staying in government. But now he's back. And I think at this, at this time, maybe Biden is probably more direct and maybe losing his patience with his one-time friend.
1: Again, Biden is probably quite aware of, like, what Jared Kushner got up to. That's going to be a sticking point for the relationship there. Because basically, Kushner was being run by Likud Dalton. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had some other people, like he took Chinese cash, like everybody, and had some pretty substantial Russian contacts, but his, his main allegiance was to Bibi, so it seems. It seems Biden's probably that, not impressed with that. <laughs> yeah. You can say
0: that its allegiance was to Bibi. I think it's, it, we need to distinguish between, it's not just Likud. Likud is a fairly centrist party. Likud's association with the extreme far-right religious parties, the kind of parties that Itamar mm. Ben-Greira is, is a member of. It's that whole group, very religious fundamentalist folk, and I think that's where the allegiance comes to when you speak about people like Jared Kushner and and the like. And certainly, we talk about Chabad a lot. And Chabad was it was Jared's synagogue of choice. Was it was the movement that he associated his Judaism with, and and many other people associated in the Trump universe were Chabad Nicks, But he's not a is not an intelligence agency. It's a, it's a, it's a sect. Per se. It's a, it's a sect. Oh, <laughs> officially. Se. Yeah, but it might be acting as one, is what my point is. It's, yeah. it's, it's history, certainly to be a very old sect of Jewish religion. Some people don't even think it's really a part of Judaism, but of course it is. And it's been around and associated more with the Russian development of Judaism than the Western development of Judaism. So you've got alliances there between Putin and and Chabad, which are very, very strong, and certainly explain the the dynamic we've seen between the Israelis and the Russians over the last few years, working almost as as collaborators on a lot of these things. And 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 Chabad might be some of the glue there. Chabad might be what we're seeing as the the back channel, if you like, between these two two countries who used to be, depending on when you look at their history, at times very hostile to each other and at times very friendly with each other. But under Putin. Who's very close to the uh, with the chief rabbi in Israel, who has, is, is a Chabad person, and Bibi Netanyahu, who is also surrounded by a lot of Chabad people, and so you're seeing there that the ultra right extreme parties that are basically religious parties that are being formed under the Chabad Lubavitch sect of of the, of the Israeli spectrum there, that is who was influencing Jared Kushner, and I, and and sometimes I, I feel like why are we parsing this so much because people people don't necessarily know the difference, but I guess my point is. There is a a vast spectrum of belief and and political opinion in Israel and as there is in in the United States, but with so many parties
1: and with the the religious factors. It's vast. Wouldn't you say it's one of my best friends that was a a journalist in Jerusalem for three years. And when he came back and was like, if you think politics is loud and screamy and extreme in America may i introduce israeli politics it really
0: (laughs) is it really is it's 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 so confusing and because of the added layer of of religion and then you've got the palestinians you've got the arabs it becomes a very boy it's a complicated country to try and and lead so maybe herzog will find his way through that i hope he does so did your friend uh, like it what did you think about the politics over there
1: mostly he was he was mirroring what what you were saying that the this wide variety of opinions and, and a lot of them are of a religious flavor that we have a lot of that over here in the United States, but they have different versions of it. And you have people that you know, their their interpretation of their religion and it, its expression in political life there is 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 different and is very particular to Judaism and uh, the different sects of it. And look, the, the Talmudic scholars like they get together and argue like that's yeah. the thing. The politics reflect that especially when you start getting issues of religious interpretations even deeper than i think we we, we've been used to the evangelicals in the united states here for a while but you know you know it's it's different it's more intense it's it's more fundamental to the whole nation it's a you have a country there that is centered around our religious and ethnic affiliation does one like the country when one, one's there, I've, I've heard much about going camping on Friday nights and I'm a real focus on, on family and the day to day stuff is, is, is great. And the weather's great. And the Intifada's not as great, not as much fun, but very clearly there is a, there is a sea change here. Like when, when Netanyahu took Lapid spot, when they called elections again and returned with this crew, mm-hmm. it's like this. It's these are not the the moderate israelis that are the center right that used to be running the Netanyahu administration they obviously he got a bunch of more complicated he did he
0: got a yeah. lot to, he chose a, a group of people that are very difficult to to negotiate with these guys are not interested in finding compromises they believe in what they believe in and and that's what they're pursuing so from that perspective it becomes really difficult for anybody to come up with a solution that they will agree with. And I think he he did it because no one else would partner with him. So he had no other choice but to cooperate with these guys. And, and, and this is where he's found himself now in this horrible position. And, and so I, I've, uh, is it just about saving his bacon? Maybe it's just about saving his bacon. But I think somewhere in his in his heart of hearts, he really is a very religious fundamentalist kind of guy. And he doesn't believe that Israel should be pushed around. And he doesn't believe that anyone should be telling Israel what to do and in so doing i think he's created a a, a difficult situation for israel in general i just don't see how israel in this in this context as it becomes more of a dictatorship how can it how can it operate in the world and it's not going to be the same country that people have welcomed before we'll be dealing with a country that's basically a pariah state if if anything and israel can't afford that and it's not that they can't afford it it's just why would they Want to do it. Israel's a mm. very prosperous country with enormous amount of resources and and regardless of its security situation, it keeps things quite secure. So it's, a, it's, it's one of the the countries in the world that has succeeded in, in developing a pretty un, unglamorous part of the world into something that's pretty, pretty special. And so for it to now turn its back on the world, or at least the Western world and the enlightened world, and then become basically a crony for China and uh, Saudi Arabia and Russia. This is not where the, um, the Israeli people are. Surely there are people in the in the extreme right wing there that do believe in it. But for the most part, I don't think Israelis are are thinking about. Let's see how we can get in bed in China and just become a dictatorship where we can't express our opinions. I and mean, you spend any time with an Israeli, and they will talk your ear off about everything. So it's not like this vibe would be very conducive to them. It's not. It's not who they are. So yeah. I, I I question whether this is just a. It's a fool's kind of. Aaron that he's, that he's pursuing here, because I don't think the Chinese and the Israelis are actually going to get along very well. And that's really what he's setting up is this sort of dynamic between the Chinese and the Israelis. You know, before we talk about China being a big partner in all of this, you have to talk about the relationship between Vladimir Putin and Bibi Netanyahu. Because this is not just an accident of what we're seeing now. We're seeing a, a demographic clash happening in, the, in Israel. As you're seeing a large group of Russian immigrants, which have been moving there after the end of the Soviet Union, and in large numbers have formed a huge part of the population. You've also got this extreme right wing, this religious right wing. They're also growing. Dude, that's part of their mission is to grow. So there's a lot of kids, a lot of children in that. So you're seeing those two demographics suddenly growing. The Putin-Russian guys tend to be very conservative-minded. They come from Russia, which is generally a very conservative country. On top of that, they probably still have relationships with the Russians. They may even be funded by the Russians through oligarchs. And so you've got a development there of uh, these two large groups in Israel, which are squeezing the the sort of the moderate Israeli middle out of power there. And that's why these protests are are so significant, because it's basically the secular, educated Israelis from the big urban areas coming out and saying, no, 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 we're not going to let you ride over this entire country that has established its very particular values and be replaced and replace them with these Russian, ethnic Russians, basically, and these religious right-wing fundamentalists. And that's basically what's happening to Israel. It's almost like a colony now of, of Russia. So this is a, like a, a very brief history of how Russia and, and Israel has had a very unique sort of relationship. Basically, Stalin supported Zionism at the beginning. And then once Israel was born, Stalin switched to supporting the Arabs. By 1975, they were calling Zionism racism, and then in 2001, Putin was elected, and then you see the relationship with Israel change quite dramatically. In 2009, they did a drones deal, which was people were suspicious of, but that it went through. It was followed by an arms deal the, the year after, and then BBA basically ran an operation in the Gaza Strip, a very violent
1: operation in the Gaza
0: Strip. Putin supported him, and that's where things started turning. BBA that's the
1: Obama. That's Obama and Biden are in the White House yeah. for that, and. And I was
0: there for some of that. I covered some of that. And I can tell you personally that the tension between Obama and and Bibi was palpable. And so after supporting Bibi's attack or or, uh, it's called an operation into Gaza, the following year, Russia goes into Syria and then Bibi sort of supports that. That's you can see the sort of the Uh, shifting, uh, 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 the shifting balance of power in the world right there. And then that uh, ends with chemical attacks on children inexcusable. We're still embroiled in that. We're still there. We're still fighting. It's it's horrific. Now, suddenly, they're having four meetings in one year. 2016, the year that democracy was attacked Th- these two leaders. I don't know who, if anyone's officially said it. Maybe they have, but I think the evidence is clear that there was an alliance between Bibi and Putin to and others, but also to attack democracy and install Donald Trump as, as president. And then this, these four meetings are very, very, very interesting, as is the establishment of this direct hotline which they did in 2014 where Putin's office had a direct hotline to Bibi's home which was encrypted and which could not be eavesdropped into and it, it's it's clear analysts back then said this is a way to avoid Israeli American eavesdropping on Israeli issues and if you're a, a, a fairly suspicious guy I, I might be sometimes I I think that's where on that hotline is probably where a lot of of 2016 was concocted as these guys were at night doing whatever they were doing in, in trade, trading world powers in world territories in terms of Syria and in the Gaza Strip, and I think that's where we land up with this uh, Red Sea alliance that happened. This Red Sea summit that was reported in the Middle East Eye. There's only one report that we have about this Red Sea summit with Nader. Remember him, George Nader it was a uh, mm-hmm. Bibi Netanyahu. Let's call him a operative if you don't want to use the other term, but certainly worked for BB, New BB for a long time. And what you landed up there is a proposal to all these countries and others that, hey, if we all change our view on who we support, we can realign the Middle East and we can become a new unified Middle East against. But that entailed, they needed to get an American president elected that would support this bid. And that that American president that could support this bid was Donald Trump. And so they worked hard to, to get Donald Trump elected in the various ways that they did by manipulating the data by manipulating the population by manipulating politicians through a large operative in what happened in gaza and in syria in 2014 and that's really operation and and so that's how we got to to the attack on democracy i all well, really has its seeds in in you know in what happened in gaza and in syria this relationship over here you can tell the expressions on these faces these guys were not not the best of friends
1: i think you do have to you have to back up and you, you, you look at the, the geopolitical strategy yeah, here yeah. which is bottom line america has been a a big supporter of of israel and now netanyahu has taken israel in a direction where it no longer supports democracy yes and done so in a way
0: by changing the demographics it's one thing saying hey let's move opinions but they've actually brought in the thousands of Russia changed the 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 dynamic 1.3 million this is a few years ago 1.3 million israelis are russian it's a uh, 15% of the population that's a that's a big chunk and i think it was growing when i first put this together 75% of new israelis are russians and, and and a lot of them aren't even jewish they get through this through this weird loophole that they have like, so you land up with these fellas these kind of oligarchs who have dual citizens uh, citizenship so you know the victor vexelbergs roman abramovich semion lagodovich Lev Levayev, Igor Kolomoisky, Mikhail Friedman, German Khan, these are, they're Israelis, sure, they have Israeli citizenship, but they're operating is still, I think, under the direction of Russia, of Russia's intelligence services, or certainly the Kremlin. These are mobsters. These are people involved in the diamond trade in Africa.
1: We've got a plenty of mobsters in the United States here too. So. Yeah. But the, Israel's been a base of operations for these guys and when you consider israel's i don't believe they don't have an extradition they don't have an extradition treaty with us is my understanding i don't think that's changed
0: yeah i think that's that's right they don't have one because yeah that's where a lot of these oligarchs basically are hiding in israel they you know they go there and they hide out they know that they can't be extradited they know that they can try hide some of their or launder some of their ill-gotten gains from the Russian people through the Israeli banks, which have been quite amenable to this, or through Cyprus or wherever, which is right next door. It can be it's it's not a good look for Israel certainly to have been flouting the international norms, but then to on top of this, now have this genuine outpouring of grassroots protests demanding that the that the country stay to democracy. And then for Netanyahu to now laugh it off in the way he has and actually created further point of antagonism by adding this national guard, which is going to crack down on these protesters in a way that is just not in line with democracies. We see this out of Beijing when they took over Hong Kong. It's exactly what they did. The first thing they did is they wanted to take control of the courts. And the minute they could appoint the judges, then they started cracking down on protesters, because that's what you have to do in order to turn a dem- democracy into dictatorship. You need the judges. And then you can do the crackdown. And that is basically a formula, which Trump tried exactly the same thing here. And it's pro forma for these guys. And we're seeing a really sad moment if, if Israel turns into
1: a dictatorship, and it's just hard to imagine. And it seems like if it goes in that direction, in the, we're gonna have to isolate the administration there. Netanyahu's actions devolve matters in the country where they are setting up this many human rights violations. Because mm-hmm. that National Guard obviously sounds like a thug squad. A you know, religious thug we, squad. A religious thug squad. Where America's going to have to isolate that. It's a shame there isn't more news about this in the United States because, again, I thought the, the Israeli democracy was really important to us. And it's funny, it's, like it's just you and me and a few other people talking about this. Yeah the, yeah. the Israeli people have been pouring out into the streets for weeks at a time. Nah. I'm just, I'm inspired by it. These guys have that's the Republic, that's, that's a democracy in action, where there's a few actors that have their own special interests, very, very special in Netanyahu's case, and you just get the masses of people are like, nope, my Israel's a democracy. I'm not, I'm not going to work. The diplomats are walking out. Yeah. That's, that's not a thing, and this is, it's, I think the Washington Post just started going, oh yeah, they had like three grandmothers out in Israel. I was yeah. like, guys, Get in the game here. There, this is big stuff. This so is a turning po- point for the, com- for, for the country. I'd um,
0: say it's, it's a turning point for the world. What we're seeing now, it's hard to imagine that the entire balance of power in the world is going to be leveraged on Israel, but it could be because Israel is such a potent player that if if they do become a dictatorship, it does give the Chinese quite a, or Chinese-Russian axis, let's call it, quite a collection of states that are now siding with them and it leaves america increasingly isolated especially in parts of the world like the middle east you've already seen Xi uh, creating some sort of new agreement between the saudis and the iranians that was just a couple of weeks ago who would have thought that she would have played a role in bringing those two countries together she's obviously doing two different things with putin on the outside he's telling the world that he's going to seek peace but on the inside he's handing over weapons to to fight the Ukrainians. The UAE, I think, is still out there. MBZ hard to tell exactly where he's landed, but certainly in 2016, he was part of this group that attacked, him and attacked America. And then you've got Donald Trump still in the wings of American politics, continuing to use language which is threatening, language about World War III, language about revenge and, and whatever the terms he was using recently. So you add all those together. And this is, a, you add Bibi in there, Now, in the case of UAE and and Saudi Arabia, these are American allies. They're no longer operating like American allies. The Saudis have stopped producing weapons, if I'm not mistaken, for the Americans and are now only producing weapons for the Chinese. I think I just read this the other day. I don't know if it's confirmed, but we're seeing fundamental shift in in how these countries operate. And so certainly if you throw Bibi into this, you can imagine how the, the balance of power in the world can shift just because of Israel. And that's why I think Americans need to pay really close attention to what's happening in Israel right now. And it's not one of these small national protests you can just ignore. It is, it's an international protest because it's going to affect all of us. And the success or failure of these protesters is going to ultimately, I believe, determine how, how the balance of power looks like in the world, what, I mean, where we land up. That might be, I might be overstating that, but I certainly think it's a real possibility that Israel is the kind of player where it could tilt the entire region of the Middle East, into the East, sorry, and then it becomes a very different game. And on top of that, I'll just add this, because it's always interesting to throw up the the trading charts. What we're seeing there is the comparison between 2000 and 2020 in terms of which countries identify themselves in the world as having China or America as their most important trading partner. And in 2000, you could see that uh, China did not play a very big role, but in 2020, the majority of the world now views China as their number one trading partner, and you can see Israel there is is and in, 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 terrible partner. They're right? terrible they partners, yeah. But you know, here we are.
1: Here we are. I was just thinking of watching the the, the graphic of of those five guys there. That's the losers' club, and, and here's where oligarchy just breaks down so much. Charles de Gaulle said, "Les cimetières de France sont remplis." De dumb and dispensable that the cemeteries of france are filled with indispensable men we have a limited time on this planet and uh, we, we pass into the next world and uh, it's not a no matter how important we think we are eventually we're gone and there's just lots of people in the world we're we're rewiring like all of civilization for a few dozen jerks yeah. that, that nobody needs the world does not need this is the This crew, Putin, Xi, et cetera, we, nobody, that doesn't make anything better for anyone. Giving them all the money and all the rights and they get It's like, no, we, we have this whole civil, we have a civilization going on. And you have, I think you have the Chinese Communist Party that got drunk on our cash from when we decided to strategically engage with them rather than strategically compete with them. Back in the day, in the 90s, they got, they got a bunch of our, our cash, and they used it to finance a tax on us. Not just to finance a tax on us, to
0: finance Donald Trump and to finance the GOP. And people forget that Sheldon Adelson, who was the owner of the Macau Sands Corporation, yeah. the Sands Global Casino Empire, he's, of course, now dead. But in the, when he was alive, he donated, I think, in excess of $160 million dollars. To the GOP Donald Trump election efforts in 2016, 2018, and 2020, it's it's an extreme and disgusting amount of money. And let me finish this point because it doesn't come from Israel. It doesn't come from the casinos. It comes from the casinos in Macau, which is a notorious Chinese mob hotspot where all sorts of money laundering and illegal activity takes place. And it's that money, the gambling money from Macau, the mob money of Macau that went to fund Donald Trump, the mobster went to fund, you know, Putin, the mobster, and now Bibi, the mobster. And that's why this incredible bit of protest art that the Israeli protesters did with this, this, this I don't know how they do this. It's actually very impressive that they got these posters that speak the, these truths to the world. And this is the image that they really wanted to go around the world. They wanted to remind people that the battle against Bibi is the battle against Putin and is the battle against Trump. It's the same battle. And we're all in it together, and we can't pick and choose when we're going to dip our toe into these things or not. There's one side or the other,
1: basically. And it's interesting as we we nudge forward on all these these different prosecutions. Like Netanyahu has been indicted like three times already, or four. No doubt, there's more than that would be cognizable under various criminal statutes that apply to the man. That's just my guess, okay. and I'll stick with it. Putin just caught a an arrest warrant from the ICC and. Trump, let's see what's going on. Oh, they're not going to do the whole privilege thing for Pence or any of the rest of them. And they're all invited to the real prosecution run by Jack Smith, the guy who kneeled before prosecutor odd, the, the guy who's took time off from running the prosecutions on black market organ sales to, to move up here. It's like, it's like if we're going to take one, you got to take them all. And I think that speaks to maybe it's a coincidence. This is all happening at the same time. You know, it seems like this has been hanging in midair. we I mean, we're, we're, what year is it? 2023? Is... It's 2023. Still last year. What well, year is it, guys? So we're over two years ago that yeah. Trump in front of, of God and everyone tried to overthrow the damn country. Yeah. And I was, yeah. I was just in DC uh, with my kiddos this, uh, this past week, and I was kind of showing them uh, that. You know, Smithsonian and all that. I'm like, yeah. And this is where Trump like got a group together and they w- walked over there to poop in Nancy Pelosi's office. That's just, probably just, right for some criminal prosecution. Like, we're that we're pretty certain on what happened there. Like, yeah, he's, a, he's inciting a riot is illegal. End of report. And it just
0: is. Yeah. And it's interesting. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt your thought. Keep going because I think you're on a good track here.
1: Why are we waiting? And everybody was uh, there was a big influence op on Twitter fire Merrick Garland. Why isn't he arresting people right now? Mm-hmm. And that, I think, misunderstood a lot of what appears to have been going on at the U.S. Attorney's offices, where when Garland's crew came in, there are a lot of these places that would be doing the prosecutions that were crime scenes themselves. Mm-hmm. So it just you just could not move that fast. Also, they had to beef up a lot of infrastructure. One of the things that was that actually gave me a lot of hope for what was going on as spending my my ear in dc to some people who know what's really happening behind the scenes saying yeah garland here this is two two years ago or so like oh no he's like upgrading the capacity to go faster i'm like that's interesting that's this guy knows that his us attorney's offices are gonna have a lot of different cases here so if if they're like putting in the the i'm at a loss for metaphor here but beefing up the capacity of these offices to be more efficient to have higher throughput hiring more people i was like that is not a one-time thing that is not he's gonna go after the trump folks. no this is like he's Got to go through all these CARES and PPP fraud cases. We have more forensic evidence protecting children than we've ever had. Almost all of these crimes against children involve significant cyber evidence. And we are prosecuting, the United States is is prosecuting so many of these, these criminals against children at a rate we've never seen before. So that's huge. You're talking about a major cleanup operation. And then, then you got like Jack Smith's outfit. And uh, the grand juries that they're currently running. And it's not looking good for Trump. It just isn't looking good for Trump. There's no way to say that this
0: guy is not facing some legal challenges. and, And as all these three leaders, as are Putin, as are Bibi, I think that that is the common thread here. You've got leaders who are under criminal prosecution, who are being backed by shoddy, dirty money out of China, out of the casinos of Macau not just out of China, but out of the casinos of Macau, it could not be any dirtier than there. And it's being funneled into our, into our democracies around the world to buy up political parties and opposition leaders, whether they masquerade as being pro-Israeli or pro-Russian or whatever it is. I don't know. The GOP these days is a, is a farce. They can't, it's, just, it's impossible to treat them as a real political party. They're a front for the Chinese. They're a front for Russia and they were Trump front for Bibi. And that's just what we're seeing in in day-to-day politics. So when you have Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world and and others in that party who are, you seem to me, quite heavily influenced by different espionage agencies around the world, we've got a real problem because those countries not only have a a hold over Bibi and and Trump and over Putin, they have a, a hold over the parties. And that has to that has to be shaken off by America in order to really restore the full democracy that we, we want or that we have. But I think this is a good thing, ultimately. The thing is, you, you only get progress when there's some sort of opposition. And I think America maybe was meandering into really strange and uncomfortable territory in terms of criminality and other things. And maybe this attack on democracy is, is just the thing that America needs to find its way back to the core values that America is founded on and that the and that the world admires America for them. The world wants America. To, the world ultimately wants a free America. They know they benefit out of that. They don't benefit out of a dictatorship in America. They don't benefit out of a dictatorship in Israel. So, in order to remain free, we have to be able to uphold our values. We have to be able to say that we walk the talk. And we can't then have espionage operations run by former FBI operatives working for Derry Pasca. You can't do those mm-hmm. kinds of things. obviously
1: (laughs) Zev your standards are so high that's impossibly high (laughs) it's really really bad like that got a little bit out of hand like wait wait Albanian intelligence the hell are you what
0: that story that story is
1: it just gets more, but it's, it's, it's all bonkers.
0: It's all bonkers. And what's happened in the world is bonkers. I'm glad it's here. We've been needing to have this come to a head in many ways. So if it's going to happen on in the streets of Israel or it happens in the streets of, of New York or Washington, it has to happen. We need to end this. We need to adjudicate where the world is going to go. And it's certainly what Biden was saying to Bibi and yeah. to the Israeli people is you're not going here. If you're going here, we're you're not our friends anymore. And that's just, uh, I, most Israelis, I would think are going to find that really, really obnoxious. And considering how much how much Israel has gotten from America—the billions and billions of dollars—but also the continuous support, the continuous defense. A lot of those people are only alive today because of America's involvement in the Middle East. And so, the country owes a lot to, to America. Probably, its entire existence to America. And so, for it to be suddenly on the on the whim of Bibi Netanyahu and some right wing extremists flipping the script on everybody is is grotesque and and not really what the country's built on or not, not not what people want in that country.
1: So yeah, we're now they're on the run, right? Mm-hmm. And this is this is what made those last few years so hard to live through. Do you remember like 2016 when all of a sudden everybody's like a Nazi all over the place like you know, they'd be all, the the alt the alt right and the grippers and yeah. the whoever's and it's it's like oh yeah man, Americans are just super and into nazism and white supremacy and It's like no, didn't not. we elect the black dude like five minutes ago? Like, we're the, the trend was not was not headed in that direction because it, it was it was inorganic. It was an an influence op to, to change the narrative of, of, that this is what America really is when that's not true. You turn off if you turn the Facebook off and you you, you shut out the API access to some of these social media platforms, though that wouldn't have been that, that wouldn't have been what we 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 thought of it. And you know.
0: there's a great piece in the nation this weekend about about Roger Stone, which we have all suspected for a long time was working on behalf of the Israelis. But clearly there's a lot of evidence now massing up. That's exactly who was operating. Corsi and and Stone were basically operating for the Israelis and you could get closer to, to Donald Trump than than Roger Stone during that whole period. I mean, it's either Jared Kushner or Ivanka Trump. But it's a very inner circle. They ran operations that were far beyond any ex normals i mean the the psy group and the black cube and you name it those organizations and so these are not just influence operations they're illegal information attacks psychological attacks on on countries they're war they really are war and dressed up as a as something else but they're war it's gonna they're gonna try again now clearly because biden has now thrown this gauntlet down at b at bibi you gotta bet that they're gonna be all over the next elections, so that'll be if BB survives. If BB doesn't survive,
1: if I had to guess here, the reason Herzog was was having the meeting today with some different folks, not with BB in the room, is like, all right, guys, he can't stay, or the world well, is going to change here. So maybe they're going to put together a new coalition and move him out of the way. That would be it. Would quickest. They seem to be in that. T- He can't, he can't stay because we're not going to put up with it. I think BB is
0: probably, sorry, Biden has probably made that clear to Herzog. They're very close to each other. Certainly since Mm. that quote that I put up a few years ago, they've had meetings just one on one with each other, which is not unusual, but it is unusual that during this time that you would have those, those one-on-one meetings. And, And when Biden went to Israel, he specifically spent time with the Herzog i think they're very close i think they understand each other i think they understand the important part of that relationship Herzog's dad was president of course of Israel for a long time so it's a it's quite a legacy there and, and so I, a, lo- a lot of people don't
1: a lot of people don't understand what Biden did in in the Trump years that was very unusual first of all Biden and and Obama took the unusual decision not to leave DC almost always the, the, the president, when they leave the white house, they leave the Capitol, they go back to the state they're from, which I think is a lot of a deeper messaging of there's a new crew in town. Mm -hmm. We're not even going to, we're not even going to be around. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good, clean transfer of power kind of thing. Biden started the Biden center for democracy Biden Penn, just, just next door to the white house (laughs) and, you know, staffed it up with, his national security people, if I have the, the names correct, and and continued talking to our allies, and he did, you yeah. Know. So yeah, he it, and he was in touch with Herzog, and he 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 has lots of relationships there. His it, father,
0: Chaim Herzog, was I can't remember. The, I'm just looking up the years here because it is interesting. 1983 to 1993, he was the Israeli president, and so those would have coincided with uh, Biden's. Big Senate clearly. And so there's a, I'm sure there's a relationship there that goes back to generations oh, now. Yeah. And so you're probably right. As we look at this meeting with, with Isaac Herzog now and the, all the leaders of all the parties except Bibi Netanyahu, mm-hmm. there'll be a, an attempt to come up with some sort of solution, which might see him, in fact, leave. It might be that he, he, he does get ousted again because I don't think he's acted in good faith since he's returned and there's no need to, no need to keep doing this because it's going to get worse at the end of the day. Certainly, the protesters in Israel need to feel like they can protest, and they need to feel like they can do so without being threatened by a national guard, without being policed by this by this right wing extremist religious organization, which will be have its own militia. That kind of stuff is is not possible in Israel, and it's and if anything like that happens, in the United States really needs to stand up and and make it known that it can't happen, as I, think the, as I think Biden has done today, and gladly he did that, and, and hopefully Americans start realizing how important this is, and especially the news journalists on, on US networks, which are, I don't know, they seem to be able to dodge stories quite, a, quite adeptly sometimes. This is a major story. This is a major global story. It requires everyone's attention on it. And hopefully we'll start to see that from the, from the U.S. media as well.
1: It's time to really pay some attention to Israel, guys. Like we, we say that their democracy is, the Israeli democracy is intrinsically linked to the West. Let's act like it. I, I'm bewildered as to why more people in American media don't cover this.
0: I'll take a guess. And you know, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the media ownership of a lot of these media organizations is is not disconnected from the same power base that gives bb his power and putin his power
1: yeah there's some questions there about about yeah, yeah. I, I could go all the way down that that road but uh, if nothing else isn't it a great isn't it an amazing story to watch this these increasing throngs of of israelis pour into their street and and not want to give in to yeah. these kind of autocratic it is a, it's, autocratic, it's, yeah.
0: Yeah. And some of my relatives are out there daily on a, and protesting with enormous enthusiasm. And I, I applaud them for, for taking this initiative. I'm not sure even I would have the capacity to be out there for 12 weeks in a row, but they've been out there for 12 weeks in a row. And it says a lot about, uh, about their commitment to this. So hopefully all the Israeli protesters stay safe. And hopefully there's no more continued fighting, especially the, the sort of random attacks that have been happening the last 24 hours attacking Arabs in, in, apart from religious yeah. Jews. That can't happen. Hopefully things end in the right way on this one. I'm going to say that we should probably wrap this up and I apologize again to our Twitter audience, but if you're seeing this now on Twitter, you know that I've edited this and put it back on Twitter within the last few hours. We apologize for not being live. As always, don't forget to subscribe to this channel on YouTube, as you see down below. You can also join the channel now as a member. There are various membership rates over there that you can join up on. Spy Murdoch, which is our big investigation into Rupert Murdoch, is continuing and your last time, did you see last episode? I don't know if I, if I shared it with you, but it involves this cold case murder with Rupert Murdoch and, and Robert Maxwell. Happened in the 1960s. Yeah, I watched it, man. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. So this story is not actually, it's actually a live story. I thought it would be done that, that someone had figured out what was going on with Rupert and, and Robert. No, this is still an ongoing investigation. Just got reopened and- That Maxwell and Murdoch were, were rivals in this is- that, well, were they rivals in it is the question that I have. But at the time, and I'll just give like as a little tease, I can say that they just had figured out who was going to own the Sun newspaper in the UK. Rupert Murdoch wins over Robert Maxwell. And then they needed to get circulation up for the Sun newspaper. And maybe the way they got circulation up for the newspaper was a publicity stunt. We'll have every, an update next week about this, this publicity stunt that may have turned maybe as an accident, as an accident, into something deadly. Maybe not. I, we know, I'm going to do, this is a live investigation. It's why I love to do them this way. You're finding things
1: out as I find them out and you will. So I'm starting to think that Fox News is not just an annoying TV channel that our grandparents watch. Yeah,
0: starting to think there's
1: more there.
0: Well, Well, especially... (laughs) You know, as you know, Robert Maxwell also was an agent for the Israelis, and so their their cooperation, or at least even their entanglement in the same alleged crime, is um is interesting. I mean, why would these two people even be connected to each other? They're they're opponent, they're rivals from two different parts of the world. How come they're now connected to the same crime um, that took place in 1969? The chances of that happening are, you know, it's just not they don't exist. That's such a small chance. So. But yet here they are in the same crime, which has been glossed over for years, for decades. You know, they, the body's missing. We've never uncovered the body. This uh, woman went missing. She'd, uh... So we're going to find out. I'm gonna, you'll, you'll, you'll learn a lot more in the next few weeks of Spy Murdoch, which is another good reason to subscribe to Narrative. And, but we'll keep updating people here on the show as well. Thank you so much, Eric. I really appreciate your time. Tell people where they can find you and what they should know about what you're up to.
1: I have a YouTube channel. Check it out.
0: And that's game theory today.
1: Game theory today. Okay.
0: Plus, also a base channel. And that is the show for tonight. Thank you very much for being here. on narrative. Every minute of narrative's reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at Patreon.com forward slash Narrative.
1: Narrative, where truth lives.